um, that's affecting a lot of people, and they're being very careful, which is good, to stay away so everyone else doesn't get it. So um, God bless that, and um, for those who are um, have already been through it and overcome it, he's a way maker, amen? <laughs> he, he'll, he'll walk with you through it. You can overcome it. Um, so last week we looked at the, the gifts are for all who believe. We saw that in uh, John chapter 7. We saw the example of Jesus um, speaking about the, the beginning um, well that would come with, with the woman at the well. That's a picture of salvation that um, out of our, um, well, at, that out of us springs of living water would rise up. That's a picture of salvation. And then later, um, Jesus is, is, is preaching, and, and they're, talk, they're doing the Feast of Booths, and the, the priests are pouring the water out over the, the sacrifice on the altar, and he says, I am that. I am that. And he says, if you come to me, I, out, of your, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And those rivers will go and touch other people. Amen? So there, there's an outpour of the Holy Spirit. There is, there is a spring that will come up for our personal self and salvation, and then that outpour Many times, is the, most of the time, the purpose of that is for others. And other people can be affected by that outpour that comes out of our heart. Amen? How many have ever been affected by someone else's outpour? Right? And you were very grateful that, that the Holy Spirit was alive and well and overflowing in them. Because there was, there was something that was needed. And, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus were in agreement that you needed that. Amen? So that's why he said, I got to go. The Holy Spirit is going to come. The paraclete's going to come. So that out of us, we can be his hands, his feet. We can be his body. Amen. So, so we're going to go on and, and get into, um, well, we went into a point that was super awesome that there's more. Don't be content. Amen. And I got encouraged um, looking at that. And um, actually, I listened to it. I don't usually listen to my messages, but I listened to it last week. And I got encouraged. It was like I was hearing it. Like sometimes those messages, they're coming out, and it's not like what you prepared. You know, there's just a bunch of bonus material. And... So you're hearing it, but you're not really processing it sometimes. So I was like, man, that was good. Like, there's more. I need to keep going. So, um, and, and I told you guys that, like, the, the kind of like the knockout punch of the passage that the Lord showed me, um, we didn't get to finish that. So I feel bad because we're kind of, like, coming in cold into this part. So if you were here last week, just think about, like, where we were at, and um, we're going to go into that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 through 21. All right. Now, I want you to think about when Paul writes the letter to the Ephesians, he's writing a letter, and it's, it's made to be circular. It's made to go to a bunch of churches. So we could literally say, um, for this reason, New Life in Sutter Creek, I bow my knee to the Father. You feeling that? So Paul is writing to the church, not just Ephesus. Now, he gives that letter to Ephesus, but that letter meant to travel, and, and, and it was a circular letter. So we could put ourselves in here. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. Now, now he's identifying right off the bat, there's a family. I bow my knees to the Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So this is a pretty big, wide, broad people group. Who is he speaking to? The church, right? Believers, Christians. So, so then, then he goes on to say, is named in heaven and in earth, is named that he would grant you. So you are a part of this family. According to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might. Now I want to stop for a second. In this second prayer, this is the second um, prayer in the book of Ephesians that Paul prays for the church. The first prayer is in the first chapter. He prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. He goes on and he prays. And he says again, he prays for the church to have power. And the word he uses is dunamis. That's the same word that is used when um, Jesus told the apostles and, and to go and wait in the upper room, for they would receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon them to empower them so that they could be bold and they would witness into Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, like Judea, like everywhere. Like they would be empowered with this dunamis. 
So in the Greek, we don't read it here in our, our New King James or in a lot of other Bibles, but it says to be strengthened with might. That is dunamis. I've never picked up on this in this passage of Scripture. I've read it many times, but I didn't put two and two together that, that this is actually another passage that Paul is praying that the church would receive power. The church would continue and receive dunamis power. That's the miraculous. That's the explosive. That's like the supernatural power that comes from on high. Amen? Now, in this prayer, there's five petitions that Paul prays. There's five specific things that he prays for us and for the church. This is the first one. I find that important. I think there could be some relevance there. That out of the five things, the very first thing that Paul prays for the church is that we would have that dunamis power. We would have might. So if, if you have your Bibles and you want to circle them, I would circle that word might. Make a little note somewhere. Say that's dunamis. So he prays that according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with dunamis through his spirit in where? The inner man. So this isn't a physical thing. This isn't like how big you are. This isn't how much you can bench press. This is to be endowed with Holy Spirit power that comes from on high that is not natural. It's supernatural. So this is pretty important that Paul's praying this, and it's the very top of his list. So I would say there's more. And then he says that the whole purpose is of this, that you would be endued with power from the Holy in the inner man that Jesus, that the Christ, may dwell in your hearts. Number two thing that he prays, that Christ would dwell. It says, may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, some will think that this is just like the beginning of salvation, that what Paul's praying. No, he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to those who are already saved. The words that he's using, may dwell. There's a, there's a continuation, amen? Not that, not, not that Jesus came, knocked on the door and showed up and then went home, but that he would dwell so he says, the first thing, I need you, and I'm encouraging you to be endued with power. Next thing, I need you to dwell with. That means there's a continuation and on, that there's, there's more than what you first received. Amen? So he says that, he, that, that you may dwell. Can you turn this up here a little, a little brighter, Richard? Thank you. That he may dwell with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith, that he may dwell through faith. So it's not just the faith that saves. There's a continuation of faith. Church, we're going to have to continue to walk in faith for Christ to dwell with us. Amen? Not come and go. Not come and go. Dwell with. Amen? That means, that means you're doing some things and you're operating in a place that, that he can dwell. Amen? You ever been there? You ever felt like, where are you at? Me too. In your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So he wants, you, he wants the church to dwell and Christ to dwell with the church. He wants the church. He wants us to be rooted. That means you got you to put something down in the ground pretty deep. Amen? You need to go down into some depths. And then you need to be grounded. How many know what grounded looks like? Not ba-ding, 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 ba-ding. Grounded. He's like, get your, get your stuff together, church. I need you to be grounded. Rooted and grounded in love. That's the main, main, main thing. We've been talking about truth and love, amen? That's what's needed for the last days, to walk in truth and to walk in love. So here he is again, bringing that message. That you may be able to comprehend, number three, able to comprehend, with all the saints. With who? You may be able to comprehend. With who? What is the width and the length and the depth and the height? That is a big word. That is a lot right there. He's saying, I am praying that you will be able to comprehend with all the saints. Not just for you, but for all of us. That we all need to come to an understanding and a comprehension together of the depth, that means keep digging, church. Amen? How many of you start digging? You, you're, you're going in immerse, or you're coming to the Tuesday nights, and you're, you're starting to dig. You're starting to grow. You're starting to go a little further with the Lord. Keep digging. There's more. Paul's encouraged you to keep digging. He goes, go explore the depths of God's love. Explore the heights. That means 
Take your relationship up even higher. Explore from the east and the west. How, where are the boundaries of this crazy love of God? Where are the boundaries of my knowledge, my understanding of who God is and what he is like and this love that he has for us and the love that I'm supposed to have for others? Go explore that to as far as you can in all directions. Amen? It's keep digging. Keep going. There's more. Whatever you thought the boundary of that was, he's like, go past that. In every direction. Are you seeing that? It's, this, is, this is Paul praying for us. Praying for the church. And how many have been stifled before? You come up to things and you think, well, I've, I've read, I've studied. Yeah, I've read that before. i studied that before. I applied that in my life. I think I have it. No, there's more. Paul never got there. Not until, and not until we are complete in the full measurement of Christ. And I don't believe any of us have attained that yet. I haven't been there yet. He goes on and says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That's the fourth thing he prays, that you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. What are you saying, Paul? I want you to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. It kind of sounds like if we can't do that, but that's not what he's saying. If the, the first word of that know is a knowing in the Greek, it's of personal experience. It's not head knowledge. It's not that you studied it. It's not that you took a Bible course on it. It's, it's experiential knowledge that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that you have explored the heights, the depths, the, the boundaries of this love. So you have experienced and come to know the love of God, which passes knowledge. It, it passes the intellect. Amen? The experiential passes the intellect. Paul's saying, I need you to go and, and experience the love of God and get overwhelmed by it. Go out into the deep. Some of us have been really good about, yeah, this is comfortable. And there's certain lines in our bodies that we're like, no, I don't want to go past that. Keep going. Keep going. Go out into the deep. Because you don't know. Go out into that wilderness. There's areas of God's love that you have not comprehended yet. There's areas of his love that how do you know that he will keep you? How could, how could uh, the psalmist and the writers talk about the, the power of God and the love of God that he will keep you, that he will never fail you, that he'll go with you everywhere that you're at? Because they had expanded their horizons. They went past the little safety zones. They went out into the scary areas. They went out into the deep, deep water, and God carried them through those things, and God nursed them back. Sometimes they got injured, so, but he was with them, and he brought them back. So they were going past what's comfortable, past what is the known. And that's not, that's not for the special select, whoever they are. Like sometimes we think there's this super select Christian people. Well, like, I don't know, if you're Catholic, maybe the Jesuits or like, we don't have that. Like you're all that. We're all of that. We're all like the super Christians, supposed to be. Like, if you've been endued with power, you're like a super Christian. Supernatural power. Dunamis. It's like miraculous. Like, you can go into anywhere and have God with you, and he can, boom, miraculously move things. If there's a mountain in your way, it can move. If there's a Red Sea in your way, it can move. And by the way, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same miraculous, dunamis power was in the Old Testament. How do you think the seas parted? How do you think Samson came on with power? You think it was demonic power? No, it was Holy Spirit power, and he picks up a jonky, jonky donkey jawbone and kills a thousand men. Easy for me to say. That wasn't his natural. I, I don't believe, I don't, we don't have records, but I don't believe Samson was a 350-pound stacked just rock dude. I think he was just an average guy that the Holy Spirit came in power on him. The Holy Spirit empowered all kinds of people throughout the Old Testament and today. He's the same. It hasn't ended. But we're to take that and then go and explore. Man, I wonder, I wonder how much God will do in this area. It's never been done before. I don't know. 
Let's go see. Like, we're supposed to have, like, the, the, the children of Israel, when, they were, when God told them, go get the land. But there's giants. Caleb and Joshua were like, we can take them. Why? God said. They remembered. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan. Like, he fed us from heaven. We're his people. We're his sons and daughters. He's our God. We represent him. He'll go with us. Amen? So there's more. It passes knowledge. It doesn't make sense. He goes on and says, that you may be filled with all the fullness. Wow. That you may be filled with all. I love that word all. All the fullness. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Like, what does that look like? I don't know. But it sounds good to me. To be filled with all the fullness. You know what that tells me? There's more. <laughs> There's more. Like all the fullness? That means I don't have all the fullness. It means that the church didn't have all the fullness because Paul's praying that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. And we need all the fullness. There's more. Now to him. <laughs> Who is able to do exceedingly, in the Greek it says super abundantly. Not that, not, not that exceedingly abundantly isn't enough, but I'm just saying, originally it's exceedingly super abundantly. What's super abundantly? I don't know. But it sounds good, and I want it. Like abundance is great, but what about super abundance? Yes. How about exceeding super abundance? Yes, sign me up. Now to him who is able. Does that mean you're able? No, but he is. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to, oh, here's that word again, dunamis. To the dunamis that works in us. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could hope, ask, or think. You getting that? He is able to do more than we can ask. Whatever we're thinking, like, man, I don't know, like, that's a big thing. I don't know if we can do that. I don't know. It's never been done. He said, I'm able to do exceeding super abundantly more than you could ask or think. That's encouraging to me. According to what? To the dunamis. That works in us. Not just in one person. That works in us. So for the exceedingly, super abundantly more than we could ever hope, ask, or think, or imagine, we need to rely on the dunamis power that he has set forth at work in us. That means it's not for one of us to reach. Not for that one super Christian guy, or girl, or woman, or kid, or youth. Because they're not excluded with dunamis. Dunamis is to us. There's no age limit. There's only one prerequisite, that you've been born again. And that you've asked, that you've had faith to receive that endowment. Not because you're super smart. There's people that get born again, and they've... they've they barely know, like, they don't even know Scripture. But they've got saved, and literally, minutes after their salvation, they were speaking with tongues, endued with power from on high. Apparently, the Holy Spirit don't care if you're Bible-educated or not. He's like, but you need supernatural power. And you know what they can do? Probably a lot more than some of us with all this knowledge. Well, I don't know. That Holy Spirit that come upon them is like, guess what? We could do a heck of a lot more. Haven't you ever seen like newborn babes and people that get brand new baptized? They're like, why are we doing more? Because the Holy Spirit's like, why aren't we doing more? Like, I want to do so much more than you can hope, think, or imagine. But we want to limit that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Well, no kidding. You can't do it. 
Neither can I. But he can. And he wants to, like even way more than we do. To him be glory. To who gets the glory? When it's the Holy Spirit, when it's dunamis, who gets the glory? That's how I know it's wrong. If people are doing things and saying it's the Holy Spirit and they're receiving the glory, eh, wrong answer. He gets all the glory. Why? Because it's supernatural. It's above. It's not like your natural gifting. It's your supernatural gifts. And all gifting comes from the Holy Spirit. He can dunamis your accounting ability. Seriously, if that's your gift, if your gift is administratively, the dunamis can hit your administrative gifting and affect all kinds of things, and you can see things and be gifted in areas that most people are like, what? How did that happen? Supernatural. He's like, no, put this here. Do this. Do that. Don't put that there. Do this. You're like, uh, okay. Boof. Multiplication. I love that. Like, two plus two could equal 400 with God. That's dunamis. Two plus two in my world is four. But he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could hope, think, or ask. That's supernatural math. Like, I work in addition. God works in multiplication. To him be glory in where? In the church. By Christ Jesus to, to who? What's the limitation here? I love this. What's the limitation to this? All generations, forever and ever. And then he puts an amen, just so you know. Amen. I love that. Look at the boundaries. To all generations, forever and ever. Amen. see what's some notes in here <laughs> if we're afraid to be filled with the fullness of god listen to me wow good word about the wilderness stuff oh she's out there she's having coffee and donuts and bonbons and whatever she's my sister just in case you're wondering like <laughs> just putting that out there if we're afraid to be filled to the fullness or want the more that god has for us we will not receive the refreshing and power we so need from being in the wilderness. Funny that she's talking about that, huh? How many have been in the wilderness? I have one thing I can tell you about the wilderness. You've either been in it or you're heading into it. Or coming out. I mean, that's just, it's a part of it. But if you, if you don't think you need that dunamis, that supernatural empowerment from God, you're foolish. Because that is what keeps you. It is what brings you through. It is what refreshes you while you're in the wilderness. And it is what empowers you when you come out of the wilderness, just like it did with Jesus. Now listen, remember, it was unbelief and doubt that kept the children of Israel from entering their rest in the promised land. Wasn't that what he promised? I will give you rest. They were weary. They were wandering in the wilderness. The promised land for them was rest. I mean, it's just going to be a lot of work if you don't receive that endowment. If you don't walk in that place, you don't believe that there's more. I'm going to read a, a, this is a big quote, but from a man named Gypsy Smith. He was, he worked with the Salvation Army in, and he was from, from 1860 to 1947. This was when he lived in his, that time range. Listen to what he writes. Now, this is, this is before Azusa Street, part of his life. And then I believe he was a part of that, that great outpouring. He said, some of us are afraid of the depths. We are afraid to get out too far into deep water. We want just enough to be respectable. Oh, just enough to be respectable. I don't want, I hear, well, I don't want to sound funny. I don't want to look, I don't want to sound like, you know, someone's like, I don't want to speak in tongues. That might sound weird. No, that's, that's real. 
if you guys are honest, most of us have been there. I remember being there, I was like, oh, I don't know, that sounds weird. I don't know if you can tell, I've kind of got over the respectable thing. <laughs> like the Lord, the Lord will work, out, work that out with you. Um, he says, we just want enough to be respectable and we don't want to be considered peculiar or extreme. That, that extreme thing really stood out to me. We don't want to be considered extreme. Well, that's extreme. Like, we want to stay in this balanced little area. And, and honestly, as Foursquare people, like, that's part of being Foursquare. And it's really one of the few parts of Foursquare I don't necessarily agree with all the time. And I know what they mean by, like, we don't want to be in these extreme areas of this. We just want to be kind of a people that are like, yes, we're Pentecostal. Yes, we're filled with the Spirit. But we just kind of, we're like in this middle area of, like, we don't, you know, we're not to where, like, you don't speak in tongues, but we're, we're not, like, you know, swinging from the chandeliers or whatever. And I'm like, fine, I, I don't need to swing from the chandeliers, but I'll tell you what, I want, I'm going to go to the, this tells me, explore the heights, the depths, all the directions of what God has for us. So I want to go to, if it's, it's like the boundary is way the heck over there, I want all that. If the freedom that God has for me is all the way over there, I want all of that territory too. If the, if the limit of gift and all, is, I want, how, why, we'd be dumb not to want all that. Right? I mean, when someone in the natural is gifting you and they're like, well, how much money would you like? Oh, I'm good. You know, that, that 10,000 is plenty. Oh, no, you'd be like, well, how much is there? If you're smart, like, what's not offensive? <laughs> like, the guy has every motorcycle there is. And he's, hey, Steve, like, how many motorcycles would you like? But what can I have? Like, what, what, what can I have and we can still be friends? <laughs> right? I mean, you're foolish. No one, in, no one in the natural is like, no, I'm good. You know, when you know it's all there, it's all yours. No, I'm good. But we don't want to look peculiar or extreme. Listen to what he says. But listen, it is the extreme people who are useful, who stand out as the people of God. I want you to think about that in your life. The people that have been looked at, maybe they're a little extreme. They're, they're the ones that have been useful in your life. They're the ones that you've looked at and seen God move in their lives. They've motivated you to go take further steps to cause you to grow and go, you know what? There's more. There's some deeper water out there. And you know what? They weren't afraid to be looking peculiar. They weren't afraid to, to look a little different or sound a little funny. They had already got that stuff covered and they said, I want everything there is of God. And the people in my life that have, I've seen the manifestations, I've seen the, more importantly, the most important thing I've ever, that, that has caused me to want more is the literal love of God radiate out of them. Like, the, like when you've been around them, you feel like, and there's been two, three people my whole life, that it was like I've been with Jesus. I was hugged by Jesus. You guys, if you, and I don't know, I don't know, like, I don't know what level of that you felt, but I have felt it so powerful, like, men and women who spent 40 years in Japan after World War II as missionaries, where Japan hated the United States because we dropped two nuclear bombs on them. They willingly chose to go there and minister the gospel and build churches and organizations. Like, they gave their life. I've been around folks like that and been loved by them and mentored by them and it, it will mess you up because without them even they are not condemning you they you just feel like i suck i can't say it no other way you just feel like oh i'm a worm and they're not doing it it's the love of god that's coming out and you're like that's possible there's more We want just enough to be respectable. We don't want to be considered peculiar or extreme. But listen, it's the extreme people who are useful, who stand out as the people of God. It is the lukewarm who are of no use. They are a hindrance. Now, don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. They are a hindrance. Jesus said it, and you have read it. He would rather you be cold or hot, not lukewarm. The people who are trying to avoid extremes are the people who are a curse to the kingdom of God. We ought to go into the deep places. The riches of his grace are able 
my brothers and sisters, to do all this and more for you. God has been doing these things for some of us. We have been entering into a new experience. We have been climbing up into higher ground. We have been getting out of the darkness into the light. Our sighs have been changed to songs. That sounds like more to me. That was someone who was not concerned about looking a little funny, having rivers of living water flowing out of them. They were walking in the moor. And this man is saying, some of us are afraid. Some of us have, are we're worried about what we look like. And, he, and then he goes on to say, it's the lukewarm who are of no use. I want to share a little something. I was reminded of 1 Samuel chapter 17. You guys, most of you would know 1 Samuel, fast brain. 1 Samuel chapter 17 is the story of David and Goliath. Now, I'm going to wrap up what he's saying in a section of that. David shows up on the scene. Goliath had been tormenting and taunting Israel's army. David comes, and he's just bringing some cheese and some bread to his brothers, and, and he hears this, and he's like, what? What's all this? Like, what's going on? And he starts to ask some questions to some folks, like, hey, what's going on with this? Like, and, and then they tell him, like, man, yeah, it's, it's no joke, David. Like, it says, it says in Samuel that all Israel and Saul were afraid. So fears gripped the whole camp. But David comes in, he's like, what's going on? And they tell him, yeah, like this, this Goliath dude, he's a champion. And uh, yeah, but, but Saul said, like, whoever takes him out, he'll, Saul will give two of his daughters and all these different things, and that they will be tax-exempt. Now, this gets most Americans' attentions right now. They're like, Where, where's the giant at? <laughs> but that, that David and his family wouldn't pay taxes. So David goes on, and he begins to inquire some more questions. Well, his brother, this is what I want you to pay attention to. His brother is one of those people on the sidelines. And he tells David, what are you asking about? What you, oh, you came up here. He goes, I can see you're full of pride. And he starts talking smack to David and putting him in his place like, you ain't going to do nothing. And he says, where, and by the way, where's that little herd of yours? Who's watching that little herd? Like, get out of here, runt. Then he goes to Saul, and he says, king, like, this, this man, he's, he's degrading our nation, degrading our God. Like, he tells him, I killed a, I killed a lion. God was with me. I killed a bear. God was with me. And you know what Saul says? He says, you're a youth. Now, here's, what, here's my point. Those lukewarm people on the sidelines, they don't matter. That's what that was saying. Those lukewarm people, listen to me, church. Look, we're going into an area. I don't know if you're understanding, like, what all this has been building up to for the last year. We've been preaching through Revelation, talking about the Antichrist. Like, the stuff going on in this world right now, you better be careful who you're listening to. And I'd say you need to even be careful who you're listening to in the church. Quit listening to lukewarm people. Quit listening to their fear. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? There's more. It took a, a young youth. And that's why it, the Holy Spirit don't disqualify. Old people, Caleb was 88 years old and he went and took his mountain. He went and killed off all the rest of those giants in that land. Careful who you're listening to. Are you hearing me? That's finding a home, ain't it? You need to be listening to the truth. You need to be listening to people who are spirit-filled, who are, are walking in step with the Holy Spirit that are going to give you good encouragement and, and direction that's going to remind you there's still a God in Israel. That's what David said. There's still a God in Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who would, who would speak evil and ill against our God? And then Saul goes in the natural and tries to protect David. Here, put on this. If Saul, if David would have went out in the natural and listened to the sideline folks, he'd have got wiped out, I'll guarantee it. But David was wise enough to go, I can't, I don't, I don't know this stuff. I don't know. Here's what I know. I don't need it. I'm going to take the same things I had when the Holy Spirit came on me, when I wiped out that lion, when I wiped out that bear. Now, where's he at? And it says... When Goliath gave him, started running his mouth in John about what he was going to do to him, David said, yeah, well, guess what? 
I'll have your head. He wasn't carrying a sword. It says, and then Goliath started to walk, and it said David ran at him. That's Holy Spirit endowment power. That ain't natural when you're a kid and there's a 10-foot giant, and you go like, oh, you want some of this? He's not saying you want some of this. He's saying you want some of this? Come on. There's more. Don't worry about looking like a weirdo. Don't worry about what I might sound like. Don't worry about everyone's doing that. So what? There should be, listen to me. If there's a truth, if the Holy Spirit is in you, there's going to be some things that rise up inside of you, and it's not the flesh. It is the Spirit of God that is not okay with the lies that are going on in this, in this country and in this world. Now, the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit in you and there's discernment in you, you will resist that. You'll go, no, and it, it will anger you. That's a lie. That's not truth. And the church needs to quit being afraid of that and scared of that and repentant for that. It's the Spirit of God in you. It's the Spirit of God that rose up in, in David and was like, what? I ain't having none of that. Who is that? And thank God for the Davids. Thank God for those ones that have tested some extreme areas and walked out into some things that they did. They were way in over their head. But God rescued them up out of it. And then they went into the wilderness. I don't know what it's going to look like if I ever come out of here. But they came back out of there empowered. And they're the ones that are telling us, there's more. Keep going. And then we want to go, well, there's some lunatic freaks. They look weird. They sound funny. Well, I guess I'll guarantee you who you're going to call on when you're in trouble. Hey, where's that crazy little kid David at? Hey, if you're not the people or the per ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're not the person or the people that, that calls when it all hits the fan, then you need more. Did you hear that? And I will tell you, it doesn't have to be the pastor. I, I am not the limit of what God has for us. Because many times when I was growing up in the church, or Jenny would tell you, there's stuff, I didn't have to, I didn't always call the pastor. Because I knew there was other people where there was more. They've been through some stuff. Lord, stretch us, grow us. I don't even think we're going to get done with this message. This is what Charles, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, if we do not honor the Holy Spirit, we cannot expect him to work with us. It's up there on the screen if you want to take a picture. If we do not honor the Holy Spirit, we cannot expect him to work with us. Church, we better honor him. He will be grieved and leave us to find, out our, to find our own helplessness. How many have been there? Moreover, I fear that generally the doctrine of the necessity of the Spirit's work may be believed as a matter of theory, but it is not acted upon. And what is not believed in practice is, in fact, not believed at all. So quit telling me, oh, we believe in the gifts, Pastor. I believe God could do everything. I believe there's nothing impossible for my God. Oh, God, Pastor, I got faith. And then a virus shows up and everyone runs and hides. Or someone knocks on your door. Oh! Or some steps, some things start happening that get in the way of the direction of what you think God wants in your life. Some obstacles. And we go, oh, no, maybe this isn't of the Lord. Stop it. Stop it. You need to grow up. Don't say you have, oh, I believe. But then when the Holy Spirit tells you, I want you to go lay hands on them. Well, I don't know. What are they going to think? He didn't ask you what they're going to think. You're no, we, I do it too. There's still times that I go, I don't know. What are they going to think? Because I'm worried about they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think that. Dude, give, give the card to the Lord. Give your, your care card. Give it to him. He died for you. He didn't care. He was plumb naked, beaten for us. He wasn't too, too concerned about offending anybody. 
gifts are for all who believe. All who believe. Not here. He says, what is not believed in practice is, in fact, not believed at all. You get that? And that's the truth. I remember, I remember talking to the Lord, not, that, not at this church, at another church I was at, and I was shaving. I'll never forget it. And I was, I was upset. I just wasn't seeing the movement and the freedom, what God wanted to do. And I said, God, why? How come you're not? And I'll never, it was like the closest to an audible voice. It, it startled me. He said, because they do not believe. Because they don't believe. It's like, whoa. What is not believed in practice is not, in, is in fact not believed at all. So you can't say, I believe God has given us the gifts, and then when he asks you to step out and do something and you don't do it, you don't believe. Steve, when you don't respond in faith, it's not just for you. When I don't respond, when he speaks and I go in faith, yes, Lord, that means I don't believe. Truth left to theory. Write this down. Truth left to theory forever remains in the realm of doubt. Truth left to theory. It forever remains in the realm of doubt. I got a few minutes, so we'll close up here. Oh, man. No, we ain't. Truth left to theory forever remains in the realm of doubt. How much of this do we got? Ooh, quite a bit. All right, let's go fast. Should we go fast or you guys want to wait? All right. Point three, do not quench the spirit. You asked for it. Do not quench the spirit. You say, Pastor Steve, what do you mean? I'm glad you asked. How do we quench the spirit? Even a better question. First, sin. Sin quenches the spirit. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. I don't think we need to. I think we all understand it. Sin quenches the spirit. The next one, unbelief, quenches the spirit. The next one, fear, quenches the spirit. Doubt quenches the spirit. So sin, unbelief, fear, and doubt are what has hindered the Holy Spirit in so many of our lives. It's quenched it. We are not to ignore or throw out the gifts because there has been controversy or misuse. You hear me? So many churches, they throw out the gifts of the Spirit because they were controversial or someone's misused them, so we just throw them out. That's quenching the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit through your own actions or through someone misusing and misrepresenting God. Don't quench the Spirit. Keeping someone from using their gifts can hinder God from what He wants to accomplish at any given place or time. Don't ever forget that. When we stop people from using their gifts, we are basically saying that we know more than God, and we're hindering, we can hinder what God wants to accomplish at any given place or time. Don't quench the Spirit. Why am I saying that? Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to give you four verses, 16 through 22, right off the bat. And this is Paul closing up, wrapping up 1 Thessalonians. This is the end of the letter. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So listen, this is the will of God of Christ, in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, period. Do not quench the Spirit. And so in case, I think he does this beautifully, in case we're wondering, well, what exactly does this mean? Does he mean? He's talking about the gifts. Do not despise prophecies. Paul is talking to a church who's beginning to despise. They're beginning to quit operating the gifts because there's probably been some controversies and some knuckleheads doing things the wrong way, and there's been some trouble. So Paul is wrapping up his letter, do not quench the spirit. Why would he say that? Because they were quenching the spirit, trying to now not now settle down. Like we don't, don't quench the spirit. And then goes on to say, do not despise prophecies. Now this tells me that that wasn't just from Paul or the apostles to have gifts. 
He's telling the church, do not despise prophecies. Are we the church? Has the church age ended? No. So church, do not despise prophecies and do not quench the spirit. Sounds pretty important. What, it, what does he say? Test all things. That means if someone gives you a prophecy, don't just say, okay, the Lord told me you're supposed to sell everything you have and go buy a hearse and talk, preach to people. Everyone's going to hell, and if they don't change their life, like, huh? You better test that spirit. Test that out. Just because someone says something's from the Lord doesn't mean it is. Paul's saying, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test everything. Amen? That sounds like wisdom. Abstain from every form of evil. That's also good information. But the word quench in the Greek is spenome. It's a prolonged form of an apparently primary verb to extinguish, literally or figuratively, to go out, to quench, to extinguish. So picture this. He's saying, don't do this. Someone begins to move and operate in the gifts. Don't take a fire extinguisher, right, Jose? Or a fire hose from the truck. <laughs> Got it. It's all dead now. No more fire. Fire's out. It's been quenched. Sad to say, that happens in church. It happens in churches. I've been a part of churches when the Holy Spirit was about to do something. You can feel like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Oof. Nope. Shut it down. Shut it down. I don't know what might happen. We're going to shut that thing down. You're laughing because you know it's true. But we have a mandate. Do not quench the Spirit. Uh-oh, I see a little fire over there. Someone's on fire. Let me go tell them all about fear and doubt and all these negative things and how, yeah, I used to be on fire too, but then I got, you know, I got the truth. I got educated. I... Got him. Another way. I'm glad you asked. What else, Pastor? It's a great question. There's an etiquette in the natural and the spiritual when we enter the Lord's presence. We need to have a healthy respect so as to not quench the spirit. I grew up in this. Not everyone has. And honestly, it kind of trips me out a little bit. Like, like to have, like when God's moving and God's doing things, to have like, like, this is God's house. And why, why, why do I say this is God? This is where I believe when we show up as a body, like, he shows up, shows up with us. How many has experienced the presence of God when you just walk in? You're responsible to host that. That means we don't let dogs running around. We don't let kids, like, when kids are in here, I let all the kids in here, but we train and teach our kids how to operate in the sanctuary. Like, we don't throw them up and down in the middle of the service. We don't let them, if they're throwing a tantrum, screaming and yelling, we talk to them. And if they don't calm down, I'm not talking about kids being kids. I'm talking about, like, there's times when they're just like, dude, he's having a full-blown raging fit. Take him out. No, seriously, because you are quenching, you are distracting what is going forth that the Holy Spirit's trying to do and teach and implant into people. The enemy will use any type of distraction. That's why it's like, it would be good, like, if you need to go to the bathroom, try to go ahead and do that before service. Like, to be mindful, turn your phones off, silence those things. Like, be mindful. Like, we as human beings, I, went, I had to go to court this last week, not because I did something, but I was going to speak for somebody. Right on the, before you go in, there is, there is a clothing that you have, you can't wear this, you have that. if you have a hat on, take it off. Like, when, when, the, when the judge comes in, everybody rise. Like, there is, there is a way, we do that for a judge. Like, there is an etiquette to hosting the power of the Holy Spirit and that anointing. So we need to be mindful of that. When, the, when God is moving up here and people are coming to the altar, 
and I release. That's a good time to either pray or go outside. Don't continue on. Well, where do you want to go eat later? You want to go to uh, Denny's or we want to go to Jim Bob's? Well, I don't know. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, later we pass. I'm like, you're killing me. How many of you ever been where the Holy Spirit was moving on you? Or you're having a time with the Lord and then you got your phone by you. Ring. You go, oh, what? Huh? That dove said, Or you've been somewhere praying, having a moment in worship, and someone comes up and says, Hey, bro, I haven't seen you. You're like, Huh? Oh, well, I was in this really cool place with the Lord. You, you smell what I'm stepping in? All right, I think you got it. We never want to extinguish the operation of the Holy Spirit physically, that's physically, or spiritually. Amen? Like a fireman putting out a fire. The fear of the fire getting out of control has hindered many revivals from ever starting. This one hurts. I believe this strongly. Hear me. The fear of the fire. Oh, there's some fire. There's, there's some Holy Spirit outbreaks happening. The fear of that getting out of control. <laughs> We'll bring that into order. I think it's killed many revivals ever starting. And we ain't going to do it here. And I don't know if it's biblical ignorance or you haven't had the experience. Do not try to control in the natural what God is doing in the spiritual. Hear me. It doesn't matter if you have, if it's just biblical ignorance, and for some people I think it is. They, they have an ignorance to scripture. For some, it's just an ignorance of, I have never had that experience, so then we'll limit, we'll say, well, I haven't had that experience, so that can't be of God. I've done it. That was weird. I've never seen that before. I've never done that before. Well, I, the Lord hasn't used me in that way. Well, who the heck are you? Like, when's the last time you got transported? <laughs> or teleported? I don't know. How's that work? I don't know, but it's an option. Have you seen it? I know it can happen. I haven't been transported yet. I'm cool with it, though. Especially if it's like on a trip or somewhere, just like everyone showed up, like cool. And as long as you get transported back, that'd be great. Do not try to control in the natural what is in God's doing in the supernatural. Now, church, listen to me. Some some of you at this point are probably going, "Whoa, what the heck?" Like he's talking like this might get crazy. So for some of you who are like already going to find a fire extinguisher. We will train, church, hear me. We will train to discern between flesh and spirit. We're going to learn. We're going to train. And that's our Tuesday nights. We're, we're learning those things, figuring out God is this you. We're moving, going to praying. Is this, and, and, I, and it's okay. I, it, we're not going to go put your name on a list and, and yep, they, they gave a word, and I don't know if that was right or not. So, Ixnay, get them out. That's not what I'm talking about. We're just going to learn and teach. That's why we're teaching about the Holy Spirit. So that we have a good understanding. Amen? What the word says. And what the word doesn't say. Amen? So we're going to teach and learn to, be, to discern between flesh and spirit. Because at the end of the day, that's all there is. It's either, it either was motivated by flesh or it's the spirit of God. So that we can be mature. Amen? Who wants to be mature? Paul tells us. He actually says to the Corinthians, beginning of the Corinthian church. Church, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the gifts. It's Paul's desire that the church is mature. That's my desire. We need to be mature in the gifts. We need to be mature in how the Lord wants to love on people. Amen? So, I could, I'm going to close with this. Uh, well, kind of. There will, 
Why, one other reason I'm not too worried about like things getting out of control is I do believe I've experienced some different things and, and we have some discernment. We have different prophetic gifts in this church. It's a very gifted church. I don't, I'm, I'm not worried about things getting out of control. But I will tell you, any time there's ever been a real revival of God, a real breakout of power, there's always going to be a fringe element that's weird. Any, any, when it was Brownsville, there was, this, there was some weird stuff that was happening. In, in, in Azusa Street, powerful. One of the greatest revivals, there was some weird stuff that was happening on the fringes. You got to be like, I can't control all of that, but I will teach. And we will, like, if something, believe me, if anyone ever comes into this church and they speak something, they're preaching something, or they're doing something that is not proper or not, not, and if, and if there's a difference between ignorance, if it's ignorance, I will probably just talk to them by themselves. If it's not ignorance, I will deal with it and I will address it. And it will be a teaching and a learning experience. That's what we're supposed to do. But a lot of times we want to quench everything and pastors don't want to deal with what I just talked about because it'll make someone offended or someone, so they just kill all of it. I'm not, I am not going to quench the spirit. I'm going to try not to. How about that? Why I'm not too concerned is this. There will always be plenty of people around with their fearful wet blankets to extinguish anything before it really ever gets out of control. Is that the truth? I don't think we have to really worry about things getting too out of control because there'll be people show up, plenty of them are up amongst them, like, what the heck was that? I don't know, Pastor, we better, whoo! We got enough firefighters around here. We'll get it, we'll get it taken out. Just looking out for the church, brother. How about look out for the church by going to some extremes in some areas of your life? Look out for me in that way. Like, Go grow with the Lord. Go spend time fasting and praying and stretching yourself and, and receiving more power from the Lord so that when I'm in need of a miracle, you can come up and lay hands on me and it can show up. How about when I'm down and, and I've been beaten and I'm coming out of the wilderness and I, I'm discouraged as I'll get out. I need someone to come alongside of me and breathe some life and speak some Holy Spirit-inspired prophetic word into my life that raises me up out of that funk. Amen? I don't need you to tell me the natural. I can see the natural. I need you to tell me some, some gifted things. Or there's some areas in the church that there's a lot of need in. I need you to walk in your giftings. Walk in those areas that God has called you and gifted you in. Pick up that mantle and serve the church. I'm going to close with this. This is a quote. Non, it's a non-Christian quote. Actually, it's a poem. Teddy Roosevelt. I like, I like history. Teddy Roosevelt wrote this poem. It's called The Man in the Arena. This is what he says. He says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause who at the best knows in the end the triumph of his achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. That summed it up for me. I don't want to be one of those counted as a lukewarm. And church, I'm going to tell you, if you're lukewarm, you are not going. I believe that with all of my heart, you're going to be left. You'll be the church that's left. You'll be the church that goes through tribulation. Do I believe that some of the church is going through tribulation? Yeah. The lukewarm. That's, that's biblical. The, church of, the dead church is going to go through tribulation. 
This ain't a time to be lukewarm. This is a time to be on fire like you've never been on fire. And you need to be staying away from people with fire extinguishers. You see someone with a wet blanket, just be like, look, bro, six feet. Put your mask on. Six feet. No wet blankets over here. <laughs> Let me pray with you. Lord, I think you've, and I believe you've accomplished what you want to have accomplished today. I pray, Lord, that this was an encouraging word. Lord, that's coming off of the last message of more. Lord, I do believe. Lord, this, this is a very challenging message to me. Honestly, it's scary. I can't expect this church to move in the direction that you are speaking, and I don't move there. And I don't lead. So, Lord, raise up men and women in this church to expand their borders, to go test the depths, the heights, the boundaries of your love and your power. And what you want for us. Lord, I pray that we would gain an experiential knowledge of the greatness and expanse of your love like we've never known. Not in our head knowledge, experiential. And Lord, that we would believe and understand that you want to do with the dunamis power that is inside of us exceedingly, super abundantly, more than we can ever hope, think, or ask. Lord, I'm reminded of Daniel in that lion's den. You were with him. The men in the fiery furnace, you were with him. Lord, I thank you that you're with us. You haven't left. And Lord, I know there's going to be some things coming. Lord, the, the signs that you have written and told us in, in advance, which just tells us how awesome you are. They're here. And we're in the beginning of it. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you are with us. Lord, as you've shown me, there's those two little rafts, and the church has got one foot in each, and we have to make a decision, every single one of us. If we try to keep a foot balanced in what's, what looks good and what's comfortable to us and what the world will accept and what you want, we're going to perish. Lord, I pray that that word, that, that what we just ministered, Lord, would resonate with this church. Lord, let us be doers. I pray that we get out of theory and we walk and we apply what you're telling us. That, Lord, this next week and this next month, every single time you ask us to do something, even if it sounds foolish, Lord, that we will get out of our way and we will say, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. Amen. I want to tell you something, church. I, I've narrowed some things down, and I believe this about our God, and I know this to be true. And as a father, I am not going to discipline my kids when they step out into something they think I want them to do. If they mess up, I'm not going to whoop them. I'll teach them. They say, no, that's not what I wanted. But, but hey, you know what? That was a good try. Here's where I have a problem when I tell my kids, this is what I have for you to do. And they go, no. So I want to encourage you this next week, this next month, as the Lord begins to speak to you, and I believe he is, if you are a believer, he's going to give you an opportunity to take it out of theory and put it into action. And I, I beg of you, listen to what he says and do it. And watch and see. Watch and see. Amen? Amen. You can be dismissed. God bless you guys. Hey, pray for the rest of the church who's got... The, the cold and the symptoms and all the stuff that aren't here. And thank God they're not, amen? Pray for them so that they'll get over it.